0: Movies and booze, I'm Moncrief on News Talk. Anyway, in, in the meantime, we have uh, movies and booze now. We are joined by Fnuala Jones, Jean Smollin, and looking suitably nervous uh, because of his first time appearing on a John Fardy from Screen Time. Afternoon, John. Oh, thanks. Lovely for having me. Uh, yeah, fan, lo- Sean, lovely big lovely big for fan. having me. <laughs> <laughs> That's am yeah. nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Gene, what, uh, what are we drinking today? Okay, I see well, Fanula's a... lashing into the rosé already. I, well,
1: well, it's a very fashionable uh, rosé. It's a digital rosé called Born Barcelona, created by a group of women, um, female did you say
0: digital rosé?
1: Yeah they, they don't own a vineyard basically they, um, they, they they it's all about branding and they buy the fruit and they get somebody to make the wine for them but oh. it's all about the image and what's in the bottle and it's become really really fashionable so um, and you can see look at the bottle it's got the Veloce top and it's a white clear bottle and the same okay, the colour yeah. is the sort of like the Provencal rosé so the, you know it's made to a specification and it's appealing to a certain audience people who love rosé and there are a lot of them let me tell you That's a nice bottle I must yeah, yeah. They, yeah.
0: Though
1: I did tweet few, it and I put yeah, it on yeah. Instagram
0: as well. You know, you did, yeah. But a few weeks ago, I was in a restaurant and, and got a bottle of red wine and it was in a clear bottle like that. And it just felt wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it just clear, felt weird. And there is
1: a reason that the bottle is, isn't clear yeah. um, it, because you, you do need the darker bottles, especially for the red wines. But um, yeah, but for, for the roses, and these are all made to be drunk young, so the clear bottle is mm. fine for them. So it's pretty. Um, you know, it's it, it's kind of modern winemaking, modern emphasis, market on marketing and everything. So that's kind of the new. It's a it's a new future wine, and then we're going to the tried and the trusted. You know, Bordeaux. Um, a AOP Can't Bordeaux. Just, yeah, we sell Ireland is a huge market for basic AOP Bordeaux. We they sell an awful lot of it in this country. It has a huge following, you know. Um, but it's starting. It's starting to suffer a bit because it's going out of fashion. Because people want lower alcohol. They want lighter styles. They don't like the aged. They don't like the sort of the cabernet based wines anymore. Mm. They want something fresh and light with lower alcohol. But What's I mean, you cannot people? beat a good Bordeaux. <laughs> and this this is this is this is a, a good, well made AOP, and um, it's won lots of medals so um, we're going to give that a try as well Okay, sounds lovely Right, John what's a beetle when it's at home?
0: Beetle it they, was that, yeah. But it's spelled B-E-B-E That's me I sent the notes All <laughs> oh, right. okay uh, yeah. blue, <laughs> blue, blue I Beacon. thought it was no, yeah. betel I hope it's beetle
2: or yeah, it's, Okay yeah. So this is a surprisingly okay superhero movie Uh, I went into this with a lot of you know trepidation because I've seen a lot of superhero movies and I'd say they have a hit rate about one to three at best of being any good this is an old fashioned kind of superhero movie it has that bumbling you know guy who doesn't want to necessarily be a superhero and he gets this thing called a scarab and he becomes the blue beetle and he can do great superhero-esque things and he's dressed like a beetle and Susan Sarandon is in it as well as a pretty good villain so I pleasantly surprised given my low expectations for this. It's okay. a, it's from the DC stable. And we've, uh, again, pretty okay movie on Netflix. Uh, their big summer movie, I guess I'd say, Heart of Stone with our own Jamie Dornan and Gal Gadot, which I'm very careful to pronounce correctly because I checked before I came on air. I may not be able to spell, but I can definitely pronounce Gal
0: Gadot. Right. That's how you say it. That's how you say it. Right. So Wonder Woman and, 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 exactly. and the Blue Battle. Uh, so, uh, so hard stone there. Yeah, he, he didn't just throw this together. Uh, no. right. So, and now we know there's a writer strike uh, going on, uh, Fanula. Now there's going to be how does a reality TV strike happen? Do they stop being real housewives? Are <laughs> so they kind of move out uh, and say, no not going to be a housewife anymore. That's
3: the the question that some reality TV stars are putting forward. So, uh, background on this, as you mentioned, the writers are striking, the actors are striking. There's one particular reality star who, in my opinion, is just trying to capitalise on this momentum and this press moment, her name is Bethany Frankel. People will know her from Real Housewives of New York and she's kind of done her own other less successful spin-offs but predominantly that's what she's famous for being on Real Housewives of New York. She's trying to bring forward this reality reckoning is what she's calling it. Um, she <laughs> wants... Which is like, it's
0: like a... Uh, it's like a- wrestling kind of event. It's
3: kind of, it's ridiculous, right? In some ways, I I don't disagree with what she's trying to push for. Like she's trying to get a union for reality stars because she reckons like these networks are exploitive and they don't make enough money from, uh, the stars don't make enough money from the content they create. So what she's pushing for is a, a minimum salary of $5,000 per episode and that stars get a 10% raise every season she just says because these people are so green and they're plucked out of obscurity Mm. they sign these contracts they don't really understand and then the networks end up making a bomb off them It like even most recently with there was this big situation on a show called Vanderpump Rules called Scandaval which basically involved a load of the cast members like cheating on each other essentially and there was a huge fallout from that but it brought this entirely new wave of viewers and fans and everything like that they saw huge ratings push so I think she's kind of capitalising on that capitalising on the fact that people are talking about strikes and residual payments and all this crack I, I believe that's why she's doing it it's kind of more pro more for herself as opposed to actually yeah, sure. believing in the cause some other people that have come out and spoken about it uh, Lisa Vanderpump who was previously <laughs> That's not a really so It is That's our porn And name. she <laughs> actually has a range of wine Vanderpump wines <clears throat> I haven't tried it I'd be keen to know if anyone has but anyway Lisa Vanderpump <clears throat> she was on Real Outside of Beverly Hills she got her own spin off that I just mentioned Vanderpump Rules which followed the lives of her staff at her various restaurants she kind of came out and said if we're pushing for unionisation it's going to change the business and not necessarily for the better, um, and but she also has an invested interest because she's a producer on Vanderpump Rules, and she's own,
0: she's loaded anyway.
3: Yeah, she's been a producer for eleven years, and that ah, would obviously right. affect her relationship with, like, we'll say Bravo. Bravo is one of the networks, but now there's a couple of other things coming down the track. Apparently, Vulture reports this week that there's this impending lawsuit against NBC Universal, which is the parent company of Bravo, alleging fraud, emotional distress, distribution distribution of revenge porn, and false imprisonment. Oh, and they're crazy. asking the network to uh, preserve any corroborating evidence. I don't know if that's going to go anywhere, their earlier reports. And then you have some people from Netflix's Love is Blind, that reality show in which people get married having never seen each other. Sight unseen is the phrase they use. Uh, a couple of them are suing the streaming giant over allegations of inhumane working conditions. So I do think there is a reality reckoning coming, but okay. I don't know if it's with Bethany Frankel in this big case. But I think this is tip the iceberg stuff I think we'll hear more about this as the weeks go on
0: I'd love to know what the inhumane working conditions are in Love is Blind they're like they weren't going down mines <laughs>
3: or <laughs> <laughs> were sitting just talking to yeah. people.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, that sounds appalling. Truly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crikey. So, what is happening with the with the with the strikes uh, in re- relation to actually talented people?
3: Yeah. So, in terms of the writer strike, the Writers Guild of America met again with reps from the major studios on Thursday. Obviously, looking for a path to resolve this one hundred and eighty writer strike. Crazy that's going on so long. So, obviously, you have Ted Sarandos of Netflix, David Zaslav of Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, I think there's a joint call happening today. Um, the main areas where they're still re- like really not seeing eye to eye on remains the the viewership based streaming residuals. So mm. people getting paid more money for the residuals from streaming because the model doesn't really work the way it is now. Uh, and the staffing minimum in TV. So one of the other issues was that writers would be booked for a show and then they'd kind of be broken out into like smaller breakout rooms, or they might only booked, be booked for a certain amount of days, and like that's not sustainable when it comes to staying alive and paying mortgages and all that jazz Um, but I think they're kind of hoping that they'll be able to bridge the gap on the more where they've made kind of more progress and that hopefully they'll build on that progress and the momentum will build and then they'll eventually come together on the harder stuff like the residuals and stuff like that Um, so not negative news coming out but they are talking they are talking but i, I we were another few weeks left in this i would say because apparently the, the reps from the studios like can't believe that this is still going on and they're not the guild isn't being uh, huh. forthright enough in what they're putting forward. So
0: yeah, but it, 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 like, so they're having meetings with the major studios, mm. but are they also talking to the likes of Netflix and Amazon and and all, all that stuff? Because presumably they have a stake in this as well. Or, yeah, 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 no,
3: they like everyone's in the talks. It's just yeah. yeah, it like they're as I said, they're kind of agog that they aren't agreeing to whatever resolutions they're putting forward. It's I don't know. It we're we're another few weeks of this. I would imagine.
0: Okay. Are we are, like are we in danger of actually running out of content anywhere soon? You'd be just like pictures of people's dogs on streaming services. <laughs> Perfect. My Brilliant. understanding
2: is there's still enough backlog, but it's going on a lot longer than anyone thought because the fact that, you know, you can't get Bob Odenkirk now, even on a radio show if you try and get him because oh they God. won't do anything, is yeah. starting to seriously worry studios as far as I can tell because I think people thought it was going to be two weeks. There will come a point, obviously, when productions will stop, stop. So, I think a fire is going to be lit under them soon because we're reaching that point. We're not a million miles away from it.
0: Yeah. Okay. It'd be interesting to see what happens next. In the meantime, let's okay, have a drink. Okay. Let's
1: start our first wine. Well, we'll start with the rosé, and it's the twenty twenty two Born Barcelona rosé. It's uh, available in O'Brien's. It's exclusive to O'Brien's. It's got a price of twenty ninety seven, but it's actually on offer until the twenty seventh of August at fourteen ninety six. Now, I mean. This style of rose was personally made fashionable by Sasha Lichine and obviously Whispering Angel, which is the, kind ah, of the right. daddy of them all, yeah. right? And um, that has spawned so many look alike, so many. It's, you know, I mean, every, every it, it seems these days more every time you look around, there's new rose and there's a new rose associated with the celeb, and we have. Brad and, and what's her name? Um, Angelina. Yeah, yeah. having well, the row. What's and, her name? That's yeah. Is. yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. Um, she she sold the wine, the winery to somebody he didn't want, and he's now suing her. And I think actually they've I think they've come to an agreement on that. But anyway, that's either here or there. So basically, what happened? There was a group of young uh, female entrepreneurs who were Spanish. They're from Barcelona, and they said, "Well, why can't we do a similar style?" And they, they born Barcelona is their brand name. So as I told you, they they actually this is. Organic, it's vegan. It's got the Vin Lock closure, and um, it's made from a blend of Grenache, Sanso and Syrah, which are you know uh, Grenache and Sanso are two of the Spanish grapes. Syrah is actually a French grape, and it's pale pink, and it's 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 dry in style, and it literally it's lovely. It ticks all the boxes. Now it's also won quite a lot of awards, and one of the awards, and I and I have to, I'm I've been judging for seventeen years in Concours Mondial, which is this big European competition. And they run several competitions every year. They have the main one, and then they have one for rosé and one for sparkling wine. Now, I wasn't a, um, a judge in the in the rosé competition this year. I actually do Sauvignon instead. Um, but this one, a, a great gold. Now, having judged for 17 years, let me tell you, the amount of great golds you get in these competitions, you're lucky if you get 20 out of 7,000 wines. So to actually achieve that is a very, very okay, big difference so Because you
0: often see wines where it says gold yeah. medal, but that's not great gold. No,
1: great gold is really that's that's the daddy of them all and that's oh. not given very easily. And in the in, Great Gold Competition took place in Montpellier um in March this year, and they they they, oh, they awarded two sparkling rosés and fourteen stills received a grand uh, medal out of two thousand wines. So these guys Crikey. did very very well. So that's a very very good kind of. Now they haven't got the sticker on yet, and I'm guessing they won't put the sticker on because it'll kind of ruin the look uh, of the it'll bottle, ruin actually. the aesthetics <laughs> of the bottle. So, but it, you know, I feel it's worth mentioning that it's got lovely. um Peach fruit aromas, it's very well made. There's a nice herbaceous finish to it, which is very typical of this style. That's what people like. Um, Sometimes I kind of call it a little bitter bitter cherry twist, you know. Mm. I mean, this like tapas, you know, you could go for salty tapas like flatbread and hummus and olives and, you know, or brie and goat's cheese on brown bread. You know, sit around with the girls or the guys, open a bottle of this, have some, some nibbles. Wonderful evening. Isn't it's, a, a, it's
0: super. Tell us about the stopper in that bottle because that this looks like a, a bottle you could reuse. It's called
1: a Vinlock, right? And it's a it's a new uh, method of closure. <laughs> I <can't get laughs> um, think it's radio. Yeah. As you can see, it's glass, so it's recyclable, and it's got a it's got a plastic um, unit in the middle of it. Yeah, and it keeps the wine fresh. It's sealed with a um, you know little piece of cellophane. Yeah, and then you open the cellophane and. Um, so it's not cork I mean cork is recyclable as well and it's not plastic so um, again this is a this is a new closure method um, they're quite expensive so you don't see them that mainstream ah, right, but yeah. you know it, for, for, for what they're trying to create which is this kind of this look this 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 is a kind of a brand they're trying to create something that people will want to buy and they'll say oh yeah I love that rosé I'm the one with the glass stopper you know it, it, it's brilliant marketing and again the whole emphasis is on the fact that it's Barcelona you know what okay. I mean and yeah. so I I, I I love the concept I love what they're doing and I wish it every success exclusive to O'Brien's and 1496 until the 27th of October worth giving it a try OK indeed
0: yeah 1496 is a bit of a bargain uh, for that period of time when you're judging these competitions you know and the categories is it what you know is, is there a guy when you arrive says you know Smullen, Rosé you know is it no, like that or do you it's it's get to what choose what they do is
1: every year they they they, 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 they they, they they will have for some of the smaller contests about ninety people judging for the very big contests every year. Um, it's three hundred and fifty people. So there's the main contest from from. Uh all over the world like mm. it's a huge international event and we move every year like next year it's in Mexico right this year um, we were in Croatia in the Istrian Peninsula um, so they write to me about six months before and say Jean would you like to be judge? would you like to judge Sauvignon would you like to judge the rosé oh, would you like choice. to okay. it's fortified or the main competition and I look at my schedule and say right yeah I'll do that one and that one I normally only do one or two I love the Sauvignon and I actually for the Sauvignon when we went to South Africa so of course I went on that one this okay. year
0: yeah it was a
2: hard and, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and basically there's a panel of five and you have a chairman and you, it's all, we have a little computer and we mark out of a hundred and we write it all into our computer and then at the end they give us all our tasting notes and our, and our results and our judges and they don't tell us what wines we taste because it's all done blind, mm. but it, they give us what our impression of the wines were and what we rated them at the mat and out of five they take the the highest mark and the lowest mark out of the equations if there's too much of a difference and they pick the meridian to get a fair assessment of what the okay. wine should be.
0: And, so, did, you, and, and did you say at some of them there could be 350 judges?
1: 350 judges and you could be tasting over 7,000 to 9,000 wines over Who, three days.
0: Okay, there's 350 judges Who's collecting all the spit buckets? Oh, there, do they have like whole, ball boys? They, who they do have that kind sommeliers, of
1: thing? and they yeah. do it brilliantly. They, the sommeliers all come into music, and they're all local kids who are training to be. <laughs> and it's like the Olympics of wine tasting. And they come into this the, because the Concours Mondial people do have are brilliant at marketing. They come into this great fanfare, and then they they spend the three days um, <laughs> serving and doing the whole, you know, properly done. And they in the back room they're opening the bottles, and if a wine is cork. They have to go back and bring you a second bottle, and oh, I mean, it's 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 precision, but it's brilliantly done. It is theater, and it's it's really wonderful to be involved. So and I'm so lucky to be involved for seventeen years. Is
2: that kind of the engine room of
1: wine tasting for the world, for the
2: market, for the era? There's end, a number like, like you've
1: got. You know, there's concours. There's one competition. There's Mundus. There's decanter. There's the okay. international wines. There is there are globally mm. a whole a group of. Those, okay. of big, big international competitions that actually mean something. And as I say, I'm lucky and honoured enough to have been doing this one for 17 years. And and it's great fun. It really is. All right, John, get your own
0: (laughs) radio. Sorry, sorry. Oh, actually, yeah. Actually, he has one. (laughs) It's very good, (laughs) Uh, That's uh, Is the MTV Video Music Awards going ahead next month despite the Emmys being delayed until January because of the strikes? Brian wants to know.
3: Anyone know? Hadn't heard. I would imagine they'll do some kind of online thing. Like they did the, the issue was they did the Tonys, but there was just no scripting. Like the auto key was blank, except for them to be like, hurry up. There was yeah. nothing written for it. So they might do something like that with the whole issue that John mentioned so they was they just that, stood there
0: in silence and yeah, handed out awards but yeah, to Yeah, but B-Bop. that's the thing. They can't
3: talk about anything they're promoting. So it's like, and the winner for this, for X movie is blank. And they're like, thank you so much. I loved working on Redacted. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? That doesn't really make for compelling viewing, you know? So haven't heard, but yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Right, what movie would you like to do first, John? I think we should start with Blue Beetle. Okay, Blue Beetle coming up after this. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk.
3: What is he talking about? He's talking about this. <coughs> oh, I forgot how bad it looks. I seen worse. Where? You don't want to know. Okay. What the hell is this thing? It's it's called the scarab. It was given to my dad when I was a kid. Um, it's some kind of a world destroying weapon. Uh, that's so It says. Did you know what was going to happen to my brother? When you stuck him with this world-destroying thing? No, I swear to you, I had no idea this would happen. Oh, come on. My father said it can't be activated by just any person. He has to choose you. So I'm guessing it's chosen you.
0: There you go. Uh, we got fierce distortion on that clip uh, uh, in the studio here. I uh, hope you didn't get that as well. Anyway, that's a bl- b- Blue Beetle. Ah, uh, the latest from uh, uh, the d c uh, the struggling d c Universe. It should be said. Uh, yeah. really. So, um, how did this person get their super beatly powers?
2: (laughs) Good question. This goes back to like the 30s. There was a blue beetle and he was an off-duty cop who used to take vitamins as a magic potion and go beat up bad guys. That wasn't really working out for them. (laughs) So they reinvented it kind of in the 50s and 60s as a man who would become beetle-like. Not the four lads from Liverpool. A a guy who would inhabit the, the kind of beetle that we know as an insect and have these superpowers and stuff. So DC have decided, you see DC are in this weird kind of thing this universe thing I barely understand it it gets very complicated but they're kind of bringing in a new DC universe so they're getting rid of kind of some of their straggler characters they seem to be giving them a go out and so they've done this it's moved to Latin America, which is good because it's almost an entirely Latino cast and the guy playing the Blue Beetle, an actor people might know from Cobra Kai, which is this mm. nostalgia-loving kind of sequel thing to the Karate Kid. Zolo, Z- Zolo Mundernina is his name. And he's a young guy who comes back to his family. He's going to go to college. Then they have some problems. He starts working in this kind of fancy resort and through a series of strange things, he comes in contact with a thing called the Scarab which gets inside him and turns him into this very powerful blue beetle that has all this AI stuff in it and makes him a marvellous superhero. And then Susan Sarandon is the owner of a thing called Cord Industry, who's kind of developed this, even though it's from outer space in some fashion. And he goes up against her Villain, who's an employee of hers who has something similar. Now, that sounds, you know, so far, so normal superhero mm. The thing that is bedeviling most superhero movies, I find, and I'm not one of those people who thinks they're all crap or anything like that. Avengers Endgame, I think, is one of the best films of the last 10 years. I see my kids see it the same way as we saw... Empire Strikes Back or something like that like we some of those movies are great but lately a lot of them have been terrible because there's too much CGI in it the plot doesn't make any sense and they're doing this universe crossing nonsense that like I don't know how children keep up but because it's mm. baffling to me and a lot of them haven't been good and as I said at the start of the show one out of three I think is the average hit rate for them that said this is pretty decent because it's a simple enough story Uh babbling and buffling and and slightly out of out of or off-centre teenage boy, or maybe he's in his early 20s, gets superpowers. And his family are on the journey with him. And a lot of the time he's figuring out how the Blue Beetle suit kind of thing works. And that's quite pleasant. Do you remember that show, uh, The Greatest American Hero, back yeah, in the yeah, 80s? Where yeah. there's, like, there's a touch of that in it. And I think a superhero who's, you know, if you take Superman and Batman, they're great, but they're, you know, they have no doubt. It's all. Yes. I'm there. Absolutely, I'm, yeah. You know, Uberman. Whereas the ones who are kind of were looked superheroes are pretty good. And as a result, we don't see. The Blue Beetle, as much as... They're not whacking you over the head with it. It comes and goes. He has to figure out how the whole contraption works for us. And half the movie is him figuring that out. The battle at the end is kind of your bog standard superhero thing that we've come to expect.
0: And does that go on for an hour and a half at the end? No, it
2: doesn't. It goes on for about 20 minutes. And it wasn't the worst I'd seen. It held my interest. And that's the thing. This whole thing is about two hours Held my interest as well. I was trying to take my 11 year old to it, but in a very middle class thing, he was at bakery camp. Let's not get into <laughs> that, right? But had I
0: brought him, I, 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 I thought you were going to say he was in prison, <laughs> but
2: uh, I don't. I suppose it's nothing to be ashamed of. Reading, <laughs> you know?
0: Bakery camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I know. Go figure. Okay. But
2: had I brought him, I think he would have really liked this. I think mm. he would have really enjoyed it because it has the pleasing ordinary kid becomes superhero and fights baddie. And a superhero story, I think, needs to be that simple. And this is, plus they have the kid's family. Center with him. They go on the journey. His uncle, his grandmother, his sister, and Susan Sarandon is a very good villain in it as well. Mm. So, because of my limited expectations, I don't know if you're asking for star rating on screen time. That's what we do. So, I'm going to give it three out of five. Okay, if you wanted
0: it's because uh, it sounds a bit like, and I forget the name of it now. It's it's on Disney. It's a series. Uh, uh, like she's an Asian American girl, Miss Marvel, uh, Miss Marvel, yeah. uh, that yeah. kind of, which was very charming. Mm. I thought, yeah, and it was kind of similar to that. The yeah. Whole five Involved.
2: Yeah, that's that's a good analogy, actually. And charm is a good word. There is a charm to this. Now, it's, you know, it's, it's not a rom-com or anything. Yeah, it's a superhero yeah. movie at the end of the day. But given the expectations a lot of people go into superhero movies with, I thought this was, was quite passable. You know? Right,
0: OK. Yeah. Is this... But it's probably not enough to... Because the DC franchise mm. is in a bit of trouble.
2: It is. Batgirl was... was made and not shown God knows how much money that cost them but you see there's a sea change coming I think and again I'm not the Martin Scorsese guy saying these are all theme park rides the box office doesn't lie they've made billions people have loved them but I think people big fans even are starting to tire of this a bit to be honest because there's been too much of the same thing for a long time and like All cinema is cyclical. It it happens Mm, to everything. Like mm. the 70s when everyone was making taxi drivers and stuff, people got tired of that. But I think people are starting to get tired of the superhero thing. So this is good. You could come away saying, what's the point? The point may be right at the end, there was an end credit thing and it was clearly, here comes number two. Yes, of course. So that may be the point. But as I say, for a superhero movie, I was pleasantly enough surprised by this.
0: Yeah, because it, it would strike me that, like the, the you know the big budget Marvel ones, mm. there's only so many ways yeah. you can threaten the future of the universe. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and maybe Absolutely. like just threaten a town
2: uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. it might be a bit more credible and they're becoming so complicated now mm. with this what part of universe is this and characters being introduced in one purely so they can make another movie out of them and I think people are starting to see the rivets in that and getting really tired of it this isn't that though despite the fact that they've probably got a sequel in the works this isn't that you won't come away like some of those superhero movies you come away feeling cheesed off that you're being taken for one and they're trying to get you into the cinema the next time you don't feel like that with this one you know yeah. and and the main guy, Zolo, is, is very charming in it as well. He's, he's, he's great in Cobra Kai as well. So he, he does well in this. So no real complaints. Now, that's not a glowing endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> no real complaints,
0: you know. But, you know, put that on the poster. No real complaints. <laughs> they, uh, and it's, uh, it's in cinemas. In cinemas and, from and what's today. the sort on it, do you know? That's a really good question. This is a job for Google. I don't <laughs> yes, know. Uh, I would imagine But 12. you could bring an 11-year-old from baking camp. Uh, so, <laughs> if you can um, find him. If he's not if drowning he in ghost him, cheese. Uh, did, he come, did he make it nice? He, ma- he was super. God bless
2: them. They did a, a fantastic. He was bringing home pizza, cookies, smashed burgers.
0: I don't wow. know what it is, but oh, I liked this was it. this isn't just lovely. baking camp, then it's cooking was, camp.
2: Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yes, yeah, yeah. seriously. Great stuff.
0: Great okay. stuff. Very impressive. nice. Nice. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, Fanula, have you a date for the wedding yet?
3: No. I <laughs> know.
0: Oh, but I know the name of a great up-and-coming young chef you might want to oh, consider. Oh, perfect. All right. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, the, now, so, uh, the uh, Paul Mescal and Saoirse Ronan uh, in a movie. This is almost like a, an a, Avengers Assemble in yeah. terms of Irish actors. We just need Liam
3: Neeson and Colomini to be <laughs> yeah. lurking in the background somewhere. Yeah, this is full. I think I talked about this. It'll be a, it'll be a couple of months ago now at this point. We got our first... Look at it. Vanity Fair of the pictures if you want to go look at them after the show. and um, Faux is based on the 2018 novel of the same name by Ian Reid. And it's like dark, twisty, apocalyptic. Paul Mescal and Sharon Ronan play uh, this couple and they live on a farm, very isolated, but it's set like a couple of years into the future. So it's like a little bit dystopian. This fella lands on their door and kind of sends their life into... Disarray mm. um, directed and co-written by Garth Davis who did Lion and Top of the Lake um, It's an Amazon Studios film and it's set to be released in the US on October 6th We don't have a date over here yet but I would imagine it wouldn't be too far too far after that so, Yeah
0: Okay yeah, and that's on Amazon exciting. Okay that's yeah. interesting Yeah
3: Now it might isn't... get a cinema re- release as well It's just there oh, the it just... doing it Yeah. Okay yeah, if yeah. you think
0: there's a, a whiff of an Oscar
3: Yeah Coming
0: off of it I think so yeah Yeah of course, we can't interview any of them about these things. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Blue Beetle is twelve A. Yeah, uh, I told.
2: thought so. That's what that's, I said. That's, yeah. uh,
0: that's about right. Now that this, this Blindside controversy is very interesting. Now, and I know people are saying Sandra Bullock maybe should give back the Oscar, but I one assumes at the time she didn't know any of this. Yeah, this
3: is the thing. And I will say these are all still allegations at this yeah. point, is well, right? So for anyone who's unfamiliar, right, the Blindside, a movie that came out in two thousand and nine, uh, based off a book. Uh, Of the same name, I'm pretty sure. And it told the story of Michael Orr, this kind of disillusioned uh, black teenager, 17, just kind of lost, brought in by this wealthy Memphis couple called Leanne and Sean Toohey. That's who Sandra Bullock played. She played Leanne. Uh, she, they they bring him into their home and he becomes part of their family and becomes a very successful uh, high school footballer and ends up making the NFL not to spoil the movie but like that gives the yeah. Hollywood ending obviously um, he has filed a petition against the two E's Mike Lore, alleging that he was never legally adopted by them uh, that they tricked him into allowing them to become his conservators uh, and that they arranged a deal that paid them and their two birth children royalties from the movie but not him right Oh, um, he he, the twoies have struck back. A lawyer representing them has issued a response alleging that Orr threatened the couple by saying they would plant a negative. He would plant a negative story about them in the press unless they paid him fifteen million dollars. And they like they're adamant that all the money was divided equally among everyone. The author who wrote the original book, Michael Lewis, has come out and made his own statement around it, uh, basically saying he kind of broke down what he was paid and how it kind of worked out. And by all means, he was told that it was all. Uh, above board Um, but then he also alleges that uh, he Michael Orr's actually declined getting further royalties so this uh, this he said no to more money yeah so this story I think is going to we're not at the end of this by any stretch Um, but as you mentioned there at the start there are pockets of people now coming out saying that Sandra Bullock should rescind the Oscar because If this is all true, then the whole story is based on a lie and how can she keep the award based on a performance that... Wasn't based in truth, I suppose. I don't know. I don't agree with that at all. If she did it, no. she'd be the first person ever to accept an Oscar and then send it back. And, like, as I said, this is all just chatter. This isn't nothing at, from at the, the company.
0: If, if it is true, it, there's probably maybe a duty of care on behalf of the producers of the film to have fact checked everything mm. that it was, uh, that it was true. No, not Sandra Bullock.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like, it's exactly. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't think that'll. I'd be shocked if anything like that happened. I can't, they had me aren't going to come out. Even if this all does end up being true, I just can't see how. And it sets a really weird kind of precedent then for any people winning things, you know, going forward and stuff, you know, so.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a weird one though, right? Yeah. Uh, the Big Country is on tonight. This was huge when I was a kid. Things have moved on so much since. Uh, says the text is that a movie The Big Country yeah
1: that's, yeah, it's it's a, film. that's an old cowboy film it's an old film. cowboy film it's great yeah. and you know what's on tonight as well which I, I've never seen and you guys all reviewed a Tenant Oh. Right. I really <laughs> want to see that. <laughs> do you? you? Know. Yeah. No, you <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Believe me, she you loves time don't. Travel. Yeah. I love time oh. travel.
0: Oh, yeah, but you need Cole's notes to understand what the hell's going yeah. on. And when you do have the Cole's notes and you actually sit down and spend several hours afterwards figuring it out, you realize it's all nonsense. So, actually, the director <laughs> of the film didn't know himself what he was doing. That's the I'm face still of to watch it. At the somewhere. bottom of Tenet. <laughs> Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, anyway, we'll move over from that. Who's the nun suing Warner Brothers, Vanilla?
3: So, well, I should say, she's not an actual nun, but oh, she played... I, I was know, hoping it would boring. be an actual um, nun. It's the actor that plays the nun in the movie The Nun and in the Conjuring franchise. That's actually where the char- character originated. But now that I think there are two nun movies themselves. Uh, it's Bonnie Aaron's is the name of the actor. She is accusing Warner Brothers' discovery of shorting her on merchandise merchandising revenue for playing... The Nun, Um, so when I was looking at these numbers, it's kind of nuts when you put it into perspective. So she was paid $71,000 for the role and the movie ended up grossing like over $360 million against a budget of like $22 million. So made a lot of money. Her contract included a $175,000 bonus tied to box office performance on top of a share of profits from merchandising uh, exploiting her character. Um, But she has basically said that Uh, what she's been sent in terms of like she asked them for a line by line breakdown she said it doesn't line up with what she's seen in terms of actual non-merchandise which is even to talk about the non-merchandise I'm like yeah that's what I want to know who is Uh, buying this we've got a light including dolls jewellery the non-jewelry, non-jewelry posters? I'm like, maybe fair Non-outfits, enough. Non-outfits, Jewel- obviously, I would have yeah. thought. Yeah, and look, she does have a very, it is kind of mad. Like, she is a very, she has a very specific look for it. And obviously that's, you know, the prosthetics team and the makeup team as well. It's not just her. Um, but yeah, she's basically saying she's entitled to a pro rata share of 5%, of 50% of the gross receipts from the licensing of merchandising rights. Um, but she's basically said that what Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers' discovery of Centre is like inconsistent with what? she reckons she should be getting, so...
0: Has she put a figure on how much she thinks she should be getting?
3: I don't think she's put a figure on it, no, but... It I must mean, be a lot more if she's must selling. be a lot, yeah, if she's going to that effort, because I think... Uh, I know there was definitely a second Nun movie. If there hasn't been a third, I would imagine there is going to be a third, just because... Maybe not Conjuring. featuring
0: that actor. Maybe <laughs> not her, uh, 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 Is she an evil Nun or a good Nun?
3: Oh, yeah, no, she's an... E- now, I haven't seen the Nun, but I've seen the Conjuring. I'm not sure if I saw the Conjuring that the Nun is in, but... From the posters, oh, this and the is like a Marvel
0: universe, yeah, isn't it? it's very as confusing,
3: well. doesn't it? Um, from what I've seen, the poster, she looks pretty scary. She doesn't look like a nun I'd like to be encountering on a daily basis.
0: Right. Oh, so so she's, she's probably a Protestant nun then. That, that's probably.
3: <laughs> I'm not <laughs> yeah. answering that.
0: Okay. Yeah, but I can see the way you're nodding furiously. <laughs> right. Let's move on uh, to our second uh, movie of the day. It is a uh, Heart of Stone. Here's a clip. MI6, right?
3: You guys really need to work on your subtlety.
0: You ruined my party. I should have listened to the voices in my head.
3: The
2: British are coming. The British are coming.
0: (laughs) Calm's compromised. Okay, okay, new plan. Exfil route Bravo. We have to go dark. Copy that. See you down there. Right, okay. that's uh, uh, Heart of Stone. So it's Gail Gadot, uh, or uh, Been an Old Spy and all that kind of stuff.
2: Exactly. This is Espionage M M M 6 isn't it? Yeah, MI5, MI6. It's MI6
0: if it's abroad. I think. Right. Mi five, if it's in the country,
2: it's definitely five or six. I can yes. confirm okay, that. okay, one of them. Okay, and Gail Gadot plays someone who may be in the aforementioned Mi five or Mi six, but she is definitely part of something called the Charter, who are this shadowy organization, the best kind of organization, Aren't they always, right? they always <laughs> are, who rule basically the world in a certain extent, to a certain extent. They are the people who, when everything goes belly up, when there's coups in countries and stuff like that, these people are in the background and they have this super, super, super computer. It's a
0: Stonecutters Union type organisation. That kind of thing. Yes, exactly.
2: Nipple clamps and all that kind of stuff, you know. And they have this supercomputer called The Heart that basically seems to control everything so they can be at their screen and see there's a problem in, you know, Nepal and they can hack something and make all the traffic lights stop and then go to Singapore and make like the subway stop and stuff like that. So she is part of this group. She, for reasons that become clear, is possibly double aging with M. I-5 or MI-6. I won't say too much more than that. And she and Jamie Dornan kind of rub up the wrong way when they're trying to rescue someone uh, who's a baddie, not rescue him, capture him. And then she goes off because the Charter, bear with me, Mm. are basically rumbled by Jamie Dornan. And then they go off on this cat and mouse, high octane chase, which has shades of Mission Impossible, James Bond. I mean, it's not as good as either of those. But again... Pretty decent. Uh, It's two hours. A lot of stunts that were really good. There's one, I was talking to Jean during the ad break, she's seen it. There's one where Gail Gadot goes down a ski slope and a parachute. Very good. Kind of like James Bond. Gail Gadot is a serious ass kicker. Like, she is great in that role. She was Mm. great in the first Wonder Woman, I thought. She's really good at... Given it, like yeah, she's a great yeah, she's action. She's physically hero. very. She's yeah. brilliant, and she's quite funny as well. Uh, this this was 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 you know two hours. Uh, you know, I'm probably not going to think about it in three weeks' time. But for two hours, it was a pleasant, intriguing watch. Not intriguing, but I was never bored for two hours, to be honest. So okay. it's Netflix's big summer movie, as far as I can ascertain. I don't know if it's event movie making but it's certainly passable for Joyce if you're looking for something to watch tonight on the couch you're tired from baking camp or whatever yeah. this would be a good way to pass two hours you won't yeah. be annoyed
1: I, I agree I actually watched it it's not It's a Gado is the tea No, I, I, I uh, came on
2: I checked this oh, before checked. I came all on because right, okay. I screw this up all the time all right. no, I, 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 I
1: loved I, I thought it was great and I, you know it's, again it's two it's, it's a film it's two yeah. hours of just switch off the world and just enjoy this and there's a lovely twist in it as
0: There is. There's a great twist. Give that away. Yeah. So what's the film about? Two hours. John Fader.
1: The.
0: So, but to be clear, the, the charter are baddies, or is there some doubt around this?
2: Let's watch it. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's slightly it's okay. like but like, no itself. wonder
0: the world is full of conspiracy theorists. It's <laughs> a, you know, the film when somebody has a computer that can turn it's the kind traffic
1: about, lights it, 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 off. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, is
2: AI. AI. It, it is all about AI. It is,
1: it, the shades yeah. of this is what AI can do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all
2: being controlled down to the minutest detail. So it is a, it is conspiracy theorist stream fodder kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but if, it's still entertaining. Yeah, but
0: if Netflix they'll put it on Netflix rather than mm. give it a cinema release ha- is that like not a vote of confidence as scenery? far
2: as I understood from something I read it did have a limited cinema release now a very limited one because I didn't see it anywhere but it is, oh. it is streaming on Netflix so I I may have that wrong there was there was certainly a whiff of a cinema release it's it's in terms of Netflix movies it's pretty good because people complain about Netflix movies that they're often just churning them out and they do one every couple of months but this, this is I don't think that's fair to be honest I think Netflix movies are, are quite okay as good as anything you'll see see in the cinema a lot of the time but this this is pretty good again it's it's you have an ass but I'm telling you it's three stars
0: three stars okay say. so we have a total of six stars between two movies yes. uh, you can distribute them any way you want <laughs> uh, right so okay. uh, Jean tell us
2: about our second wine our last wine, wine is, is, uh,
1: is the 2020 Marquis de Chassé it's an AOP Bordeaux 16.99 and it's on offer in this August at 11.75 in Malloy's now Malloy's the Malloys have been going since the 1920s, right? Uh, it's a pub and grocery business. Um, they opened, their first shop opened in Talla. They still have the headquarters there in the village green. Um, they have seven shops in the Greater Dublin area, in Francis Street, who actually were the winners of the off-licence of the year, not this year, but last year. Uh, Clonsilla Talla, Fingless, Leopardstown, Clondalkin, and Um This is one of the wines they bring in directly themselves. And it's it's a good old-fashioned um, Basic Bordeaux, which was an as one as you can see, they have their medals at two French competitions, you know, gold medals, which actually in France means something. So um, this is uh, this is winery belongs to Maison Genesee, which is a big Bordeaux, Bordeaux negociant house. Um, Merlot and Tannin, uh, sorry, Merlot and Tannin, Merlot and Cabernet. Yeah, um, what happened? The basic Bordeaux blend tends to be Cabernet Sauvignon. Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdoux a couple of other grape varieties, mostly Cabernet Sauvignon because Cabernet is a late ripener and tends to give you an awful lot of tannin the problem is nobody wants tannin anymore nobody wants big oak wines. so increasingly in Bordeaux and particularly at this level at Bordeaux and Bordeaux Superior they're using a hell of a lot more Merlot because Merlot is an early ripening grape and has very little tannin and that's the first thing I noticed when I tried this. So I'd say there's probably about 60% Merlot, 40% or it could even be 70% Merlot it's very fruity, it's very well made it has been aged in wood so there is a little bit of spicy character there but the tannin is very very soft this is this to me is perfect wine for for sitting down when you're with with a few snacks watching a film over the weekend it's a lovely you get the loveliest kind of soft plum fruit that's what you expect from merlot and then when you try it the tannins are soft there's lots of fruit a surprising amount of fruit vintage is 2020 20. Marquis de Chassé exclusive to Malloy's, and you can also they you can order it online Malloy's.ie, and they have an express delivery service in the
3: Dublin area.
0: I uh, can't go wrong. Fanula you, you haven't drunk your red wine. You neck back the rosé there. I know she- we're,
3: we're shopping for engagement rings after this so I need to make sure <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can okay. see in front of me. A big sparkly one. <laughs> uh,
0: right so it's weird people are still like suits even though it hasn't been on for years. Is, is this because of Meghan Markle?
3: I'm not really sure, right? So this is only in the States, though so I'm sure it's probably similar across the board. This is from Nielsen's viewing record, right? So it's only recently on streaming on the States as well. I think there was one week in July, it got 3.9 billion minutes watched across Netflix. So like the most ever. And as you said, it hasn't been on in, I don't know what year it officially ended, but it has been on for ages. Uh, Someone in the Guardian kind of did an analysis on it. Um, it was kind of a slower summer TV-wise, mm. The Idol... HBO's The Idol didn't really take off in the way they thought it would because it was really bad. Um, And also I think it was just kind of a word of mouth thing. It was like front facing on Netflix for weeks and it's just also kind of a very easy watch. Um, But this person in The Guardian also said it kind of it puts forward a good case and a good argument for the people who are striking currently and the actors talking about residuals um, because that was a cable show that ended up I think it was USA in the States and I think we got it on Dave over here but it was a network television show that went mm. on to streaming that is now being rewatched billions of billions of time, millions and billions of times seemingly um despite not being on air for years so That's like interesting. what's yeah. the trickle down for those actors you know yeah. so
0: okay uh something for the quality uh quality can still uh, find an audience movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk